Welcome to Inspired Edinburgh. Powerful conversations helping you reconnect with your purpose. I'm Elliot Reeves and my guest today is Tom McDonald. Tom is managing partner of the Excel Group, Scotland's local technology expert and mobile partner of the Scottish Football Association. You were recently listed on SBNN's 40 under 40 list and over the last two years have grown the Excel Group from a sub 100k business with three people to a 50 person strong organisation with turnover in excess of three million pounds. Wow. Tom, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Great, great. Um, you've, uh, you've come a, a reasonable distance this evening, so it's greatly appreciated. No, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> so it would be great to start off by finding out a bit more um, about yourself and, and I suppose your journey that has brought you to where you are at the moment. So, so yeah, who is Tom McDonald? Well, so I... I'm originally from Airdrie, which is just 30 miles from Edinburgh and 20 miles from Glasgow. So yeah. I was born and brought up in a small town and um, from a, a fairly uh, normal family, family, fairly normal working class family, mm -hmm. uh, but always aspired really to, to be my own person and run my own business. I was very independent from a very young age. Um, okay. First attempted to move out of home at 16 and then moved back in at 16 in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> um, purchased my first house when I was 18 and was always really quick to um, get on to um, being independent and running um, my own businesses. I started my first business when I was 19. Um, I took a brief stint into the music industry when I was about 21 um, and just really focused on driving my own business portfolio and running and doing what I wanted to do and what I thought was, was best for me to do. Yeah. Um, after the, the first few businesses came to an end, I, I moved on from the music business and decided to take a year off and then went back into the corporate world and worked for a few big corporate companies such as BT and Orange and some, some major conglomerates in the the world of IT and telecommunications. Mm -hmm. um, quickly realised though that wasn't for me, um, which brought me on the journey uh, back to Excel where I could relive the, the real kind of entrepreneurial drive that I had to, to work for myself and, and go that way. So yeah. um, after that, that's me being now three now, just I think just under, just over three years at Excel now and okay. just doing what we can to make it a, a great company within Scotland. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's a really good introduction, I like that. So so what are the things that you're most passionate about and, and what are the things that you really love doing? Well, I'm, I'm really passionate about business. Okay. Business for me, um, there's two levels. I'm very, very passionate about Scotland and I'm very, very passionate about business and that makes me very, very passionate about business in Scotland. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, for, me, I, for me, I think Scotland as a country um, is is great at business um, but it takes a lot of hits along the way mm -hmm. um, and I think our business community in Scotland could be doing so much to learn and grow and collaborate and work together and for me to to add and communicate with that community is a massive passion for me um, I just I just love being involved in the Scottish business community I love helping other businesses within the community I love a real passion for me is helping younger businesses or businesses that are just starting to grow in the growth curve that we've had and helping them out to show how we can establish various other um, revenue streams for them, how we can establish them to have a sales strategy, how we can work together to make the two businesses better rather than just have that real uncollaborative attitude that mm -hmm. a business in the past seems to have had in Scotland. So yeah. that is that is definitely one of my big passions. I'm also passionate about my sport. I love my sport, love my football, yeah. any any form <laughs> of sports that are there. So yeah, um, and, and really passionate about my family as well. But um, I think um, anything that's that's there is, a, is a, a real key driving point for me. Yeah, okay. And so going back then to your point about helping other business and being collaborative, I mean, what are some of the ways in which you have helped other businesses um, and support them? Well, for me, I, I work and do a lot of um, localised talks with on business growth and how mm -hmm. business growth can actually come together. A lot of help with businesses and how to develop sales strategies as well. We've got a lot of great young 
technically minded people in Scotland who are developing and making great products, mm -hmm. but just need a little bit of help in getting those products to market and, and how to make those products accessible for actual people to buy rather than just being another pipe dream. And I think anything we can do to help there. I, I work with a number of younger businesses and people who are trying to get products to market spend a lot of time with them to say, right, well, yeah, you've got a great product, but how do you communicate that product out to people? And, and work in a number of various other channels and, and speaking to people about um, how they actually go ahead, market their business, how they can help establish growth, what they can really do to help their business grow and, and learn from some of the, the pitfalls that, that we've had as well, because mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't think I'm the ultimate expert in Scotland on growth, but I think people can certainly use our experiences to learn and maybe avoid some of the mistakes we've made. Mm -hmm. And vice versa, I can learn from these other companies as well about new technology that's coming out, about what pitfalls they've had, about how we grow as a business. And, and yeah, it's, it's more about sharing rather than, than helping, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And so in, in terms of pitfalls, um, are you able to share with us maybe some of the things that you've, you've experienced yourself? Oh, yeah. I mean, business is I mean, you, one thing you one thing you, you people realize in business is that everybody has this idea that a startup is the most difficult thing to do in business, that mm. taking that big leap from going from either being in employment or leaving university and or even leaving home and having the comfort of everything you have, starting your business, getting into the real world is going to be the most difficult transition you're ever going to have to make. Mm -hmm. um, it's not until you actually try and scale that business that you realize that that was the easy part. <laughs> <laughs> and then it opens up a whole new world of eventualities and things that get thrown at you that you were never expecting. And challenges that come up on a daily basis that you think your challenge is make enough money to pay the bills. No, as soon as you have 40 or 50 people, new and inventive challenges come along every day. Mm -hmm. um, what I would really say to people, if you really do have the, the real drive to go and grow a business or scale a business to, to that level, is get the right people around about you. Mm -hmm. um, is make sure you've got people that are going to be there supporting you, that have the passion, that have the, the work ethic, that, have, that fit in with you as a person to help you grow that business and you'll, you'll avoid as many pitfalls as you possibly can avoid. Yeah, um, yeah. We've we've had some some great experiences just with things things that you would never expect, HR issues that you just don't expect. But you've you've just got to adapt to them as you kind of as you, as you kind of come along. And there's yeah. there's, there's loads there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> excellent. Okay, so in recognition of your achievements, you were recently named in the forty under forty list. Yes. So how did that feel, and uh, and what does it mean to you? It, it means a, it means a great deal. Um, everybody in business has got to understand their why mm. and why they actually want to be in business. For me, a big part of being in business is about recognition, <laughs> and being recognised as one of the top forty um, entrepreneurs or business people under forty in Scotland yeah. is a massive achievement for me. It's it's a massive tick on my list of things that. Um, will define me as a person and it's, it really underlines that it's a little bit of a yeah I, I knew I could do this moment and I knew I could do that so it, it's huge for me. That's great, that's great. So I suppose other than accolades or, or being on lists and receiving awards what are some of the other things that drive you perhaps the more sort of personal values and, and things like that? Yeah. I was having a conversation with a, a colleague the other day and um, he made a great point about business and he sat down and he said, at the end of the day, business is about what you bring home. Um, and for me, I've got my partner, my kids, my family at home, and that drives me on every single day because mm -hmm. I know that I'm creating something, not just for me, but for them as well. And that's a massive driving point for anybody. Mm -hmm. um, and the fact that I can give them a lifestyle that I want to be able to give them through business is, is, is the main driving point behind any form of business. But for me, Scotland's also about this community spirit that Scotland actually has. Mm -hmm. um, we're a very small country, but in times of hardship, Scotland is always the country that can, can bring itself together to, to help each other. Mm -hmm. And being able to give back to the community is massive for me. 
Um, we're, a, we're still a small business, but corporate social responsibility is massive for us. We work with a number of charities in Scotland. Mm -hmm. uh, we work with very, very closely with a local children's charity. And they're there to actually help people in Glasgow who are struggling, um, find work, get kids off the street, get kids playing football, sports, dance, mm -hmm. being able to give to that type of organisation through your success is massive. Yeah. And it's not just about devoting finance, it's more about devoting time, care, understanding and being part and seeing what you can actually change and what you can actually do within the community to make the, the entire community a, a better place as well. Yeah, yeah that's a really powerful message. That's great, excellent. So it would be really good to find out a bit more, I suppose, about the Excel Group. Um, I mean, obviously, since you've, uh, I suppose, taken control of it, if you like, you've scaled it up um, phenomenally, and it's gone through what appears to be a, a phase of r really rapid growth. I mean, you know, three employees to 50, yes. and, uh, and the turnover going from kind of sub 100,000 to, I think it's projected to be over kind of 5 million. Yes, we, we, this year we're expecting to be uh, in and around the five million mark, which would be phenomenal. It would be great to see that type of growth. For sure, yeah. Um, so, and, and so I suppose my, my question really is, how have you managed to, to achieve that? So as a business, um, we looked at our strategy when we were setting up and we always knew we were going to go for scale. Um, being honest, I'm even a little bit surprised at our scale sometimes. <laughs> we didn't expect, but it was really about finding a mixture of modern values and traditional values as well, and bringing together a real strong sales strategy within the company. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of businesses forget that they have to sell in order to survive. And it's, re <laughs> it's regardless whether you're an IT business or whether you're a solicitor or an accountant or a production business, you still have to sell at some point in order to drive revenues mm -hmm. into your business. And we just looked at our overall strategy, says, how are we going to sell to our customers? Um, what products are we going to sell to our customers? And how are our customers going to buy from us? And the, the whole heart of this was making it really easy to buy from us. So as soon as people made, found it easy to buy, they bought more. And that's what the real recipe behind growth was. And I see it day in, day out with, with people come and sell to me on a daily basis. Um, there's certain industries that come and sell to me and I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> and they just, they confuse me, they lost me. And it's yeah. all about us being able to take what is a really, really complicated product mm -hmm. and translate it into normal business talk. So we don't have IT conversations with people. We don't have telecoms conversations with people. We have business conversations. Okay. And we speak to directors and business owners in a language they actually understand is how their business is going to improve by working with us. Mm -hmm. And that's how we, we work with it. We, we look at the strategies that are out there. So a lot of companies really focus on their social media strategies. A lot of companies really focus on their, um, uh, their kind of Google strategies, their marketing strategies, how they're going to do that. Yeah. But we realize that at the crux of all these strategies is a person. <laughs> and we deploy traditional sales techniques. So we speak to people, we book appointments with people, we go and network with people. Mm -hmm. We deploy multiple techniques. We don't just sit there, put some stuff on Twitter or Facebook and expect the phone to ring off the hook. <laughs> okay. We're proactive <laughs> and we work hard at it. And it's that that's what really helps our growth. We Once we find that we've got enough in that marketplace, we deploy new salespeople um, under that strategy to multiply that growth and enhance the customer base. Mm -hmm. whilst taking multiple revenue streams or making multiple revenue streams available to us from the customer base as well and not being wholly specific or relying on one revenue stream. Yeah, yeah. And so what are some of the, you know, in kind of vanilla terms, the, the services that you offer? What are the things that you're you're giving to businesses? So for businesses, we are, we, we see ourselves as in a vanilla, in a real vanilla way, we are mm -hmm. their we are their external IT department. Oh, is that right? So, okay. so <laughs> our, our customer base is is varied from someone with five or six employees up to someone with two thousand employees. Wow. But for us, 
we're not there just to sell them a product. We're there to work with them to improve their IT strategy. Um, so a customer is coming to us to actually um, have a better understanding of what their IT needs are. We want our customers to come to us and say, I need this to do this, just make it happen. We don't want to sit and have a conversation with a customer that needs to have this amount of bandwidth or it needs to have this special security code or this in the middle to make mm -hmm. it all work. We just want a customer to come with us, that's my problem, or we go to that customer and say, this is your problem, mm -hmm. this is how we're going to fix it for you. And that's really vanilla how we do it. So we look at everything from a customer's telephony structure yeah. to their IT infrastructure, their mobile, their mobile working structure, um, their um, management of these devices, into how they're going to transition into the cloud. Um, because the cloud is the future of technology now. People yeah. are having to move to the cloud. They are The cloud is a way forward for most people. So it's also about building a roadmap with that customer to say, the cloud is coming, it's it's inevitable, so here's how your structure is looking today, here's how it's looking in two years, here's how it's looking in five years, mm -hmm. and here's the plan for, for moving you along that way. So mm -hmm. it's about building up a longer term relationship rather than just in there to, to quickly sell a customer something and move on, that's just not a strategy. Yeah, yeah, and that is such a, a good strategy. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So what, what are some of the things that you foresee um, changing over the next few years and how are you positioned in order to deal with those? Changing the next few years is just, it, it, it's, it's a question people always ask and it's such a hard question to answer because it literally changes on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. um, I mean you go out the States and you've got cars driving themselves just now so <laughs> <laughs> how, does, how, does, how does an IT environment look compared to that? It's, it's quite frightening so people for me, the, the, the world is changing, the, the business world is changing. So mm -hmm. from the business world is employment's becoming less and less um, required because people can now work for themselves more readily. They can have more, I'm going to use the Uber type scenario, there's more Uber type products coming on board where people are really starting to live in this world of becoming a a subcontractor and a yeah. self-employed subcontractor uh -huh. and that, <laughs> that that's the big disruption that's going on at the moment is mm -hmm. that uber have started a real phase of people now subcontracting into different industries and rather than them, them being employed full-time by other people yeah. from an it point of view the cloud is is taking over i mean people are putting everything in the cloud now and most people that are probably watching have got their photos in the cloud their videos in the cloud Nobody really understands what the cloud actually is, but they've got their photos, their videos, their documents, their storage, their files, everything it need is going into the cloud. And people will start making their phone calls via the cloud, they'll start making their mobile um, phone calls via the cloud, everything over the next four to five years will be going via the cloud. Mm -hmm. What that means is we'll all have super fast connectivity in our homes, which will open new products and services. And the connectivity is the big driving force behind this. Mm -hmm. And there's massive connectivity that's getting trialled down south just now into York. And the fact that people can get unlimited speeds to their home is going to make the home much more interactive, being able to control things from your smartphone. Um, and for me, there's, there's two elements to it. The smartphone is becoming a person's be all and end all. You can virtually do everything from your smartphone that you don't yeah. you don't need anything else. So um, the smartphone and we with a conversation about it the other day there is smartphone is now your way to communicate and advertise to your customer as well. Yeah. Because of the, that is the thing that is in their hand more than anything else. <laughs> it's yeah. it's the, it is the person's watch, it is their diary, it is everything that's there. Um, and that's how people actually now need to communicate is through this handheld device that is that is there, whether that's via email, push messaging, SMS. But it's all about the world adapting to that and realise, right, how do we link in with the smartphone? Is that via Twitter? Is that via social media? Is that via direct messaging to the smartphone? And, and just gathering on how that is going to disrupt and change over the next three, four, five years, yeah. especially in our industry where we're, we're now considering, well, um, will everybody have a phone on their desk anymore? <laughs> is there is there any real need for the desk phone? Is there any real need for the house phone anymore? Is it just going to be a broadband connection into everybody's home? Is yeah. it just going to be an internet connection into everybody's office? 
So there's yeah. lots and lots of change. The, you can't really pinpoint what it's going to look like, but the one thing I will say in 10 years' time, it's going to look completely different <laughs> to what it's going to look like now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No doubt about that. It's, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, the changes that you see, they're so, they're so fast. Um, and so, I suppose, regular. I mean, I, I consider myself to be relatively tech savvy and I'm still nowhere near, you know, the forefront of the things that are <laughs> happening. Do you think there's a, a sort of a threat or a danger that our generation or almost certainly older generations will be kind of usurped by the the changes in, in tech? Yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think this is what businesses need to realise that they are now their customer is now Generation X, yes. and Generation X is the is is the buyer now. <laughs> so the products that and even the the method of selling these products need to mm -hmm. to align with that generation. And I mean, our kids are going to operate a completely different set of product set that we operate. I mean, I've just yeah. upgraded to iOS 10, and I'm struggling with the update, <laughs> the changes on that. Yeah. So there's there's so much going on that people will always need to constantly change and it's all about being at the forefront of that change. Mm -hmm. A big thing in business is that every, businesses see change as risk. Change mm -hmm. isn't risk, change is actually opportunity. <laughs> if you can embrace that change, you can embrace the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so many businesses, especially in the SME environment where we've got the ability to adapt quickly, mm -hmm. embracing that change can just make an entire difference to your business and, and really help you push forward. Yeah. But technology-wise, we are, I think, unless you embrace the technology and unless you embrace the change in that technology, you are going to get left behind. Um, we, we, just, we, just did a, we literally just signed off today on business cards. It sounds really simple and straightforward, but we're now we're now doing away with paper business cards. <laughs> we're going to digital business cards. Yeah. So business cards are a thing are becoming a thing of the past and mm -hmm. anything that's old hat people now want new technology. They want digital business cards, they want digital communications, they want digital everything they're doing needs to be digital, fast, quick, paced, and that's yeah. just the way the world expects it. Yeah, it is, it is, it absolutely is. Yeah. But I, I I do kind of think that it's almost like we're in this kind of um, digital tsunami phase yeah. and that if you don't kind of watch out you'll very quickly get uh, swept away and when Russell was on as well we spoke um, about industries which I suppose are um, perhaps under threat yeah. of disruption um, and it's a very it's a very real thing and if mm. businesses don't start to notice what's happening around about them they could very very quickly become extinct. <laughs> Every single industry is under threat of disruption. Yeah. There's no industry that's not under threat of disruption. Mm -hmm. The big game changers have obviously been Uber and Airbnb. Yeah. Those were the massive disruptors. They've disrupted that industry hugely, mm -hmm. but every single industry needs to watch out for disruption. Yeah. Um, the last IT conference I was at, that was the big mainstay of the, the conference was disruption. Okay. How's it coming? What's it happening? Yeah. A lot of industries don't know how they're going to be disrupted, <laughs> but <laughs> they, they know it's going to happen at some point that someone in a lab somewhere is going to invent something that's going to change their industry upside down. Yeah. I mean, in 25 years, is there going to be any need for anybody to own their own car? Exactly. I know. So there's, there's huge. So, yeah. I mean, was it, I think, is it GM are trying to buy into Uber because they think <laughs> that Uber can be the death of them, then someone else is yeah. trying to buy into the the Chinese version. The name escapes me just now, but I mean, yeah, people are scrambling around for, for survival in these big areas because they think if we can't if we can't alter what we're doing, if no one cannot come up with a really good idea, we're going to need to just buy a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, do, do you think the, the actual rate of changes, do you think it's actually accelerating? Yes. You do? Oh, absolutely. Right. I mean, it's uh, it's frightening. It's the only challenge I have just now is I, it's on a perpetual acceleration. <laughs> and it's, will that acceleration ever slow down or will it just keep accelerating and keep accelerating? Yeah. Um, and then when people are now inventing artificial intelligence to deal with things mm -hmm. and computers are doing the majority of, of roles for lawyers, accountants, drivers, yeah. All these jobs are going at risk. Mm -hmm. The challenge is, is what actually happens to these jobs when the computers are doing all of it and 
Yes. There's got to be a, a manual intervention. There's got to be a, a limit on it somewhere so that people <laughs> still control the world, so to speak, <laughs> at some point. Yeah. So there's there's got to be something that where we can slow down and control the technology so it doesn't just become a computer-led world. Yeah. And that kind of scares me a little bit. That's it kind of scares yeah. me that people live their life on social media and we're starting to lose a little bit of the social interaction where it is quite nice sometimes to just go for a coffee with somebody <laughs> and actually meet them face to face or have a general talk or a chat. And yeah, yeah the world is accelerating out of that, but mm -hmm. hopefully we can maintain some sort of social, for sure. <laughs> social lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I mean, Excel Group is a mobile partner of the, the SFA. Yes. Um, and you have a number of sponsorships and affiliations with other football teams. Yes. Um, indeed, you now have your own um, stadium, yes. Excel Group Stadium, where <laughs> Albion Rovers play, yes. which is, is fantastic. So, what's the, the main rationale behind these um, partnerships? So, we, we work with a number of um, sports um, companies, organisations. What we look for is brands that we can align with that will will emphasise our brand, but also shares the same social responsibilities as us. Okay. So um, we work. We obviously we've got the XL Group Stadium, which is Albion Rovers Stadium. Yeah. Albion Rovers are a fantastic community club. They do a lot of work within the community. They give back to the community, and mm. and we work um, very very closely with them to to work on that partnership and it's, it's, it's very, very local to me as well and it's within my local community so it's, it's great oh, okay. there also. We also work with um, Celtic FC women's team That's which right. again, uh -huh. the women's team have got a great and women's football is very, very much on the up um, within Scotland. It's, it's, it's a great um, brand, it's a great portfolio of sport to include all aspects and mm -hmm. for me sport should be about inclusivity for all everybody should be able to to play sport enjoy sport and and it should be celebrated throughout this country it's always been a country that loved sport so again it's yeah. a it's a great area to be involved in just to see things grow and happen mm -hmm. and women's football in scotland is definitely a scale up um <laughs> the, the 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 women's national team has just qualified for the championships so it's a great brand to be behind and a great brand to be working with. Mm -hmm. It's just great to have us associated with that brand as well. Yeah. We also just recently, um, last year, we were sponsoring um, Kimberly Rennix when she was trying to get to Brazil for mm -hmm. the Olympic Games. Kimberly and her sister won gold at the at the Commonwealth Games a few years ago and we were sponsoring her Road to Rio. Sadly, she got injured just before the Games and, and wasn't going to be able to make it. But mm -hmm. being able to work with that element of the community and see people excel and and be great at what they actually do, regardless whether it's business or sport, it's just it's just a, a massive passion for us and it means a lot to be able to do that within the community as well. Yeah, yeah, it's excellent. Now, I hope you don't mind me asking this, but it's just really out of curiosity. I mean. Are you, do you select these based on a sort of the potential for return on investment or is it more, you know, is there, is there other layers to it? I think if we were selecting it for potential return on investment, <laughs> we'd, be, we'd be losing quite a lot. But no, okay. I think it's more about, it's more about brand recognition and brand alignment more than anything else. It's about us being seen to working with the right brands mm -hmm. within the actual, within Scotland, within the community. So... Yeah, we we do a lot of work on that, and it does it does help our brand. It helps our brand get out there, but we don't actually see a direct return from it. It is more to do with the alignment of the brand, and for me, it's about people recognizing the XL Group brand and realizing what we're about. Yeah. We aren't just about being this corporate company who want to sell lots and make lots of money. That's not what we're about. We are about working in the community working with areas of the community that need help and just being aligned with that segment. Mm -hmm. That's brilliant. Yeah. Really, really good. So w what are some of the main things that you're focusing on at the moment from a business perspective? At the moment, we were focusing on expanding the business throughout Scotland. So okay. um, we our, our main office is in Glasgow. We've got an office in Aberdeen and we're just opening our Edinburgh office as well. So mm -hmm. we're, f we're focusing on expanding that business throughout Scotland because 
For me, it's important to be regional in Scotland and actually deal and be on someone's doorstep. That's what we expect in Scotland. We expect yeah. someone who can pop round and, <laughs> and have a coffee with you, chat with you, and yeah. and create employment throughout different regions in Scotland so that we're not just centrally focused on X amount of jobs in Glasgow or X amount of jobs in Aberdeen or X amount of jobs in Edinburgh, that we cover the whole of the country. Wow. And then we're looking to expand the business throughout the UK as well. Um, we are very cloud focused on our, our on our portfolio. So mm -hmm. it means that we don't have real any restrictions from product set where we can need to be based. So mm -hmm. we can sell products in the UK, we can sell products in Ireland, we can sell products in the rest of Europe as well. So yeah. It's about taking that expansion, looking at what we do really, really well within Scotland and then expanding that out to Ireland, England, Wales and the rest of Europe as well. So expansion, regional expansion is really important to us just now and, and mm. helping us grow the business. That's really cool. Mm. And so, I mean, what would you, if you were kind of guessing, what would be the projected headcount over the next kind of three to five years, would you think? Over the next three to, f certainly over the next three years, we expect to be tipping 100 in our headcount and right. over the next five years I've not really worked out any real European expansion but if we did uh, if we were successfully getting to Ireland and, and to Europe I would expect to see that probably hit 200. Wow. So yeah that I mean that that would be exciting if we could go that far and um, it would really be exciting it's going to be challenging um, and it really is a big challenge we think we've got the right people to work with we think we've got the right um, the right management team now to lead that through so yeah it's all about making the right decisions at the right times as well so <laughs> absolutely yeah <laughs> people thought we were crazy when we were going to Aberdeen because Aberdeen was um in a decline and there was real challenges in Aberdeen when we decided to to start opening our office in Aberdeen but right. it's it harps back to out of every challenge or out of everything people see as a real challenge comes a real opportunity as well Definitely, and yeah to work with the people in Aberdeen to say right we're going to create jobs here we're going to work with people in Aberdeen to help align strategies to we're not there just to sell you a, a lot of a, a lot of expensive kit we're here to look mm -hmm. at what you're doing just now and see if we can improve it which gives you cost efficiencies cost savings and create jobs on the back of it it just made good commercial sense and, and it was an opportunity rather than a challenge yeah yeah okay so, so what do you think are some of your, your ambitions? What are the, the, the big goals? The big goals, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> for me, this is about success. I think I would love to see, I would love to be recognised as a real expert on growth in Scotland, a real expert on scale-up. Um, and, and it's not just me. There's a team of people behind me that work really hard as well we've got um six directors in our business who each have their own speciality and what they actually do we've got three shareholders three main shareholders in our business who are active daily um employees of the business as well so these yeah. people work really hard with me and deserve a lot of recognition for for what they do as well but for me and the team to be seen as a real expert in growth and growing business and it would be would be a real a real success story for me and being seen as one of Scotland's top entrepreneurs or top business men would be would be ideal yeah it would be yeah. ideal I, I like it it's yeah. good, good ambition yeah why the hell not yeah <laughs> <laughs> so if you weren't currently managing director of the Excel group what do you think you would be doing what would be your alternative career path if you like I'd be working for myself yeah, I, I I would be an if it wasn't managing director of XL Group, it would be MD of XYZ or CEO <laughs> of ABC. I I, I uh, entrepreneur is a word that's bandied about a lot. I don't yes. know if I, I don't know if I qualify as an entrepreneur or or what the qualification level is. But for me, it would be working. It would be doing my own thing. It would be doing something I'm really passionate about, something that I love, running my own business. Um, I'm I'm probably unemployable, to be honest with you. <laughs> there was two things I always say. I would hate to work for anybody else and I would hate to work for myself. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, I just, um, I, I think being 
the type of person that I am, I always kind of really drive to, to work as hard as I possibly can and, and that means just just being a little bit independent and, and that's that's the real challenge on it. Yeah, super. Okay, so it would be good at this stage, I think, to ask you some questions around um, success and maybe kind of sort of dig a little bit deeper yeah. uh, and, and see where we get with that. <laughs> so um, first question I've got for you is, how do you define success? Success is about being happy with what you've achieved. Mm. That's success. Um, success isn't suddenly opening up your bank account and having a billion pounds in it. <laughs> success is be about being happy with your achievement, mm. um, regardless whether that achievement is opening opening your own business every day or regardless whether that achievement is just going home knowing you've done a great job um success is happiness simple yeah yeah i think you're absolutely right um we've had a lot of um i suppose different approaches to that answer um with the show but that seems to be the common theme yeah. you know fulfillment and, and happiness yeah really success isn't about material objects no, material objects aren't success um, you can have as many material objects as you want, but there's tons of credit cards there that'll get you loads of material objects as well. <laughs> so does that, does that contribute to success? No, not really. Yeah. Um, so success is just knowing that you've gone home at night and whatever you've done, you've done it to the best of your ability and being able to smile about it the next day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. What do you think are some of the, the habits um, and, and kind of characteristics that you have that you think have um, being a, a main part in your success? For me, I think my main characteristic is, or my main business characteristic is being able to see a product or a solution and making that solution better, but also making that solution communicate with the customer. Yeah. So how to actually take that solution and take it to market, how to make that solution better than it currently actually is, um, make that a, a viable, valued product that somebody wants to buy. Mm -hmm. That's where I see my key strength in getting that message back along to a customer. So yeah. I guess it's a real commercialization type strength for me um that's what i'm very good at i was always when i was at school i was always very very good at maths that was my real key Is strength right? i was okay. terrible at english but good at maths <laughs> um but i always was an ideas person mm -hmm. but i wouldn't say i'm not an inventor um i'm an elaborator so if somebody comes to me and says yeah. i've got this great invention my real role is that's an awesome invention but what if we did this this and this and then looking at it from the customer's point of view rather than from the inventor's point of view and saying, if we tweaked this, made it a little bit better, then you've got an awesome invention. That's yeah. such a good answer. Yeah. I love that. That's really, really good. <laughs> That's great. So, you know, in, in line with the, I suppose, the message or the ethos of the show, um, it seems almost obligatory to ask you this question. What is your purpose? My purpose is, let me, let me see how I, I'm going to phrase this. <laughs> um, I'm going to change purpose. Yeah, my purpose is to provide and be happy. That, that's my purpose. I'm going to answer, I'm going to, uh, yeah. So my purpose is to provide and be happy, but my motivation in doing that is to actually help other people. Mm. Um, and I think spending some time, uh, a week or so last year in the States, and realizing the collaboration and the help that goes on um, in that um, environment has really inspired me to say, right, let's go and help others throughout this. And it's not just about being that lone ranger that wants to to run away and do everything for himself, but actually to work towards a really good purpose that everybody benefits from mm -hmm. is my purpose in, in doing what I'm doing and my real motivation behind it. And 
my motivation comes in different aspects. My motivation comes from my family and my kids and seeing my kids really happy that they can grow up and grow up in a nice environment, seeing my partner enjoy life, but also seeing the staff develop and work and enjoy what they're actually doing. Yeah. And I've got staff that I know have came from backgrounds where they've hated their jobs they're in and now come to a place they really love working in. Yeah. And that's a great purpose. That's a great motivation every day to, to see that happening as well. Yeah, yeah. So you, you said that you were in the States. Yes. Where about in the States were you? Uh, San Francisco. Was it Silicon Valley? Silicon Valley. Okay, because yeah. I mean, we've had uh, Russell Dalgleish and um, Bruce Walker interviews in the past. Yes. W- was it with them that you went to yes, that? Yes, right, okay. with them. I'm I interested to hear about that trip, and I suppose I'm interested to hear in uh, some of the learnings that you had whilst you were there. Yeah, um, I actually, I decided to do a little stopover on the way, so I stopped over in New York just before heading to Silicon Valley. Okay. Um, and so I got east and west coast, which was great yeah. to see it in the one the one week and a week and a bit. So what a trip! It was amazing. It was an amazing, amazing trip, and it's just it just turns your mind and it turns your head and it really makes you understand what's happening in business but what's happening in the world as well yeah um and there's yeah there's i've got some great stories from that so okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe off camera stories right <laughs> one of the things that um russell touched upon was the um how to put this i suppose it's like the the conviction or the lack of sort of limiting beliefs that people in the US have um, compared to, I suppose, Scottish culture, which is maybe a a bit more reserved, I suppose. So when they decide that they're going to do something, it's as simple as, okay, we're going to do that, as opposed to focusing on what the hurdles or the challenges are. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something, and I've done quite a few um, small business talks with Russell as well, and it's something we touch on quite a lot to say, Mm there's this belief in Scotland and it's a real Scottish attitude and it's, you can even see it in our sport when we're, we're doing Scottish sport. We always believe we're just not good enough to do <laughs> yeah. it. It's a bit defeatist. Yeah, yeah we, we do have this little bit defeated attitude where we think I'm not going to be good enough to do that or if I try that I might fail. Mm-hmm. When the, the, the Silicon Valley answer is if I try that I might fail but who cares? <laughs> At least I've tried. And that's something we really do lack in Scotland that I think we could get a whole lot more of if we just tried yeah. and had the courage to fail, we would we would learn and develop a lot more. And I mean, some of the UK's top businessmen have failed before in the past, and of it's it's a natural part of life and learning is failing. And we tend to learn more from when we fail than when we succeed. So mm. it's great, and it seems to be a tick in the box. It's like a part of your CV. Have you failed when you're in Silicon Valley? Oh yeah, I failed at this. Oh great, good. So you've learned something and. Precisely. And that's that's really what is it comes comes through from that. But um, spending some time there and just realizing that attitude does change your mindset. It does mean a lot to your mindset and what you can do. But yeah, I think we can learn a lot from that mindset. Yes. Don't get me wrong. As an environment, it's a crazy place. <laughs> I mean, they've got all these companies who are coming up with ideas and they don't really go to market or sell anything they just have this idea but suddenly after f- four months it's a one ten five fifteen billion dollar idea that might never ever get <laughs> off the ground okay. <laughs> or it's got hundreds of millions of pounds worth of investment because it sounds so cool and you've got like spacex are taking people to mars and exactly you know, yeah. these kind of things are <laughs> happening in the background and, and twitters and facebook's popping up every day snapchat suddenly a 10 billion dollar company overnight so there's yeah. low there it's a it's a crazy ecosystem mm-hmm. but there's so much we can learn i don't think they've got it entirely right i don't think we've got it entirely right but i think if we can meet in the middle somewhere yeah we've got a great ecosystem what they do extremely well is um their accelerator programs uh, and yeah. i think we could have so much more of them right. in scotland and what their accelerator programs do is they don't just put put funding into a, a business, but they actually give mentorship to a business. And we don't have enough business mentors in Scotland. We don't have enough 
free boards, if you want to call them, free CEOs or free COOs or free CTOs that people can just sit down and say, I have this business, I have this idea, this is what my business is doing just now, mm-hmm. how would you take this business forward? Help me. And I yeah. think if we did a lot more of that, these young guys who are coming up with great technologies in their bedrooms yeah. would be flying. We'd have more sky scanners, we'd have more fan jewels coming out of here. Yeah. that would just be great companies that would just accelerate throughout. Okay, that's really interesting. Because I think in Scotland there's this sort of, um, there seems to be quite a few like incubators. Yes. Um, and, you know, kind of acceleration programs, but not like what you're talking about. Yeah. Like actually almost being handheld through the yeah the, the process. And this, we, we've got some great ones in Scotland, eSpark, for example. Yeah. We've got some really good ones, mm-hmm. but we just need more of them. Right. <laughs> we need we need more of them and we need these businesses to be involved on a daily basis. Yeah. So the, I, I know from East Bart the guys are working in space. You've got the hub at Gogerburn as well yeah. for the RBS hub as well. But we just need these guys to have access to CFOs, to have access to CEOs. So if someone's looking to raise money, how do they do it? Yeah. Um, I mean, when we, we fortunately for us as a business, we've never really had to go and raise money as as a business to expand and grow. We've we've worked on our own residual growth. Mm. But if someone had said to me, "You need to go and raise money as this business," I wouldn't have the foggiest idea where to start. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm not an accountant. I'm not a, a a financial accountant. So how do you go and do that? And mm. unfortunately, a lot of these inventors and guys that are inventing stuff in their their room, they're not marketing people. They're not accountants. They're not salespeople. So yeah. They need that expertise around them if they're really going to drive their business forward. Yeah. And it's what we learned as we were growing is that in order to do things, we needed we needed marketing people, we needed HR people, we needed operation directors because we needed to get the operations right, we needed to get the process right. We're not process people, so we need process people to do that. We yeah. needed a finance director because we needed someone to manage and control the financial side <laughs> of the business. So yeah. the best way to grow is have the experts. And it was in a chat, I I was lucky enough to sit down and have a chat with Sir Tom Hunter a few months ago. And we were talking about business growth and how to scale a business. And the one piece of advice that Sir Tom gave me was, if you're looking to expand your management team, if you're looking to grow your business and scale up, the first thing you need to evaluate is yourself and find out what you're not very good at. (laughs) Once you've found out what you're not very good at, go and employ someone who is. And that's a great piece of advice because if you've got all the qualities around the board table that you need, then success isn't guaranteed, but it's a hell of a whole lot easier than than trying to do it yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a fantastic piece of advice. I absolutely agree with that. I suppose when when you're yeah when you're early stage business you are all of the functions and all of the people and you're trying to do yes. do everything and that is a, a major obstacle. Yes, but so I, I think that, that I think that's where I think that's where a lot of I think that's where people can benefit from looking at San Francisco and I'm not saying it's for for everybody but someone when when someone's got a really good idea what holds us back is. I can't afford to bring in a financial director. I can't afford to bring in a sales director. Mm-hmm. I can't afford to bring in an operations director. When the real question should be, you can't afford not to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because yes, you may have to go to your bank and say, I need X amount of money for a sales director. Uh-huh. But that sales director may return Y or Z or more. Mm-hmm. And it's a question that Scottish business and UK business asks itself in a whole because we're kind of taught from the accountancy point of view or the the financial point of view is how much is that going to cost me yeah when the real answer is how much am i going to make from that mm. and that's the kind of real difference in attitude and even looking into i'm sure i was passionate about scottish sport mm-hmm. but a lot of scottish sport is going through that exact process just now where anything that happens in Scottish sport, the question is, how much is that going to cost me? And it's regardless whether it's golf or judo or football, they're all saying, if we do that, how much is it going to cost? And it should be, well, if we actually do that, how much are we going to get a return on that? Yeah. And that that's the kind of real challenge that's, that's there just now. So how do you balance that then in terms of kind of 
debt versus credit. I mean, do you, does, or is what you're saying is that you, you advocate going into debt for long-term gain, I suppose, is that? No, um, I think it's all about weighted risk. Okay. And I, I, I just, for me, it's not just about people going into debt for long-term gain. Mm-hmm. It's that people don't know the options that are available. Right. So people don't know what they can actually do to leverage their company. People don't know that the great op- <coughs> people don't know that there's some great opportunities there for them, such as angel list, such as business growth fund. The people need to learn how to sell their ideas and their businesses to these areas. Yeah. And it's not just about debt or equity or funding, it's about government assistance, it's about everything that's available there to help someone grow their business. Yeah. And realise that there is opportunities that don't just revolve around <laughs> I've got to sell a thousand pounds extra to have yeah, a salary yeah. for someone that, <laughs> that there's certain things that can come together to make it work too. Yeah. I've never heard of a business growth fund or angel list. <coughs> Are they um, angel investing organisations? So Angel List is a a, a basic a, like a a crowded website where in- investors are there, so people upload their pitches ah. and angels all over the world look at these pitches to see if it's something they want to invest in for an obvious equity stake in the business. Um, simple, Similar to like crowdfunding as well, crowdfunding is another great way to, to raise yes. debt or equity funding in your business. Mm-hmm. Um, and Business Growth Fund is a government-backed banking initiative where banks are looking to take stakes in high growth businesses for high levels of funding. And I mean, business growth funds a little bit more um, advanced where they're looking for five million pound plus turnover businesses for two million pounds worth of investment for stakes in that business. But it's all about having that courage to have a roadmap to say, right, in, in three years time, we want to be speaking to Business Growth Fund or we want to be speaking to Angel List and this is our idea, this is our concept and what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And there's some great story. I mean, speaking to some people in San Francisco and we, we managed to meet a, an, an absolute amazing entrepreneur in San Francisco. He's, uh, he's, uh, well, he's a global Scot, but he was talking about how he challenged his investments and how he raised money and what he did to to get his ideas out Mm -hmm. and it wasn't all about just having we need to sell x to pay y Mm. it was more about how he positioned it within investors how he positioned it within banks and that made a massive difference to how people see and he was more traditional this is a company that needs to make a profit rather than this is a, a spacex or a a Facebook or a one of these massive companies that um, make a billion dollars in two years. Because for every Facebook or SpaceX that is a really, really successful billion dollar company that raises a hundred million pounds worth of investment to get there, mm-hmm. there's four or five that raise a hundred million pounds worth of investment and don't yeah. don't become that billion dollar company. So mm. um, there's, there's there's a lot to learn from, from that environment. Yeah, for sure, yeah. I think it's a great message. Um, Certainly my, my mentor um, has a phrase, you don't need more money, you need a better strategy. Yeah. And I think that's very much what you're saying. People tend to see the kind of black and white. Yes. Either, you either have it or you don't, rather than kind of thinking outside the box. Yes. Yeah, I, th- I think there's, there's always strategies. Every business has got to have its strategy right. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's strategy is such great thing to develop within your business and if you mix that with the right culture mm. you always win and culture is great for your business as well mm-hmm. and a lot of people and people will go out and sit in business talks and people will be talking about culture all day long and how culture is so important for the business <laughs> you either get culture or you don't culture is about you culture <laughs> is about you and how you portray your business to your staff mm-hmm. and if you've got your culture right and your strategy right, you're going to have a successful business. Um, and the thing about funding and, and you don't need more money, you need a better strategy. Yeah. Funding is part of your strategy. <laughs> if, you're fun- if you're self-funded, if you're 
funded through banks, if you're funded through equity, that is all part of your overall strategy for your business. And if that's right and your funding element's right and your debt to equity ratio's right, you've got a good business. Yeah, yeah, cool. We've segued quite a long way off uh, kind of <laughs> purpose and life goals, but it's been, it's been really interesting. Yeah. I've enjoyed that. <laughs> and I suppose kind of uh, continuing on the segue for the, the time being, how would you describe the company culture at Excel? We are a very open culture. Okay. So we are a modern culture. We're not a Google. <laughs> we don't have slides in the office or ball pits that people roll about at in lunchtime. But we're a culture where people enjoy coming to work and are expected to contribute. Mm-hmm. We are, on the flip side of that, we're not a a traditional accountant or solicitor type culture where everybody's expected to show up in a shirt and tie and okay. sit at their desk and, and do what they're, they're expected to do. So we're, we're a little bit of a, a middle of the road between that. But people get to come to work how they're comfortable. They get to contribute to what the company's doing. Yeah. We're very open. We share our results. We share our financials. We share everything with the employees so that people mm-hmm. know what they're, they're what they actually mean to the company. Um, we're, we're very much about bringing on um, young people and giving them opportunities from graduate schemes, from routes to work schemes, um, from any type of walk of life that anybody can join our business. We have people from the ages of 18 to people up the ages of 63, 64, 65. So mm-hmm. it's all about that behaviour. And especially when we're recruiting, we recruit people on their behaviour, on their attitude rather than their skill set. So it's about, will you actually be able to fit in here? Or do you have the right attitude to work in this environment? Mm-hmm. Um, and are you someone who has our core ethics at heart? And that's what's important. And we would never, in a million years, substitute bringing in someone to our environment that might be the best at their job in the world, whether they're the best salesperson in the world, whether they're the best engineer in the world, or whether they're the best operations person or admin person in the world if they mm. could not fit in with our culture or would be disruptive to our culture mm. because that's our core key piece mm-hmm. and our, cu- our culture is it's 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 very very difficult to explain because you just need to live it and see what it's actually like because it comes from the directors and the shareholders personality rather than what we say is our core ethics. We don't have core ethics sitting on a wall. You just either get it or you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, that's great. Who are your um, mentors or who are the people that inspire you? Um, I, I always, um, for me, the people that inspire me um, most are my, are my parents, to be honest. Okay. So that's that's who inspires me most, and I've said it quite a few times, and I always get a bit of a, a digging back home for when I say it. But <laughs> um, I my I come from a really working class background, and and my parents just really worked really hard to make sure that we, um, as a family, just um, survived the wrong word. But we, as a family, we we wanted for nothing because. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad was a builder, my mum was a cleaner, and we just they just worked really hard to make sure that I, as a as a kid, wanted for nothing, was always um, at school, and just had a real positive attitude about life. So for me, they're they're a real inspiration because they've done everything they possibly could to bring me up the right way, mm-hmm. to make sure that I was um, I was brought up and brought up well so that's yeah. that's my main inspiration business people that I that I admire is there's there's lots of business people that I admire I think um from a, a very on a Scottish point of view on it but I think people like Michelle Moan's done a fantastic job she's yeah. she's brought a really great business throughout Scotland she's shown some fantastic uh, skills media skills business skills mm-hmm. and she knows exactly what she wants and she's driven to to go and get it as well um you mentioned russell douglas i do a lot of work with russell he's a great mentor Mm -hmm. he does a lot of he does a lot of mentoring for me he's my my ear sometimes to speak to and get (laughs) some some experience some advice um but there's tons of people i think there throughout scotland that are 
are great to look up to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think throughout the UK, you've got people like Sir Alan Sugar who have just gone and created great businesses from from kind of nothing. So yeah. my and I kind of admire anybody who just gets up and does it for themselves and just goes and regardless whether they come from the greatest background or a working class background or the poorest backgrounds, mm-hmm. they just go and do it. Mm. And whether that's a sports person or a business person, they don't let anything hold them back. And that's, that's what inspires me the most. Um, and yeah, there's, there's tons of that. Yeah, yeah. a lot of it. Great, very, very inspirational uh, answer. So thank you. Nice. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? The best piece of advice I've ever received. Well, <laughs> that's a good one. Um, I think the best piece of advice I ever received was just don't give up. Just keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't pinpoint any single person that's told me that because I've been told it so many times and I've heard <laughs> it so many times. Um, but it's just keep going, it's don't give up, it's just, uh, for me that's that's key. I think it all goes back to the don't be afraid to fail. And if you fail, you fail. Um, and it happens in life, people will fail, people will succeed, but it's how you actually react to that and how you keep going in life. Yeah, what, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? If I, what would I do if I knew I couldn't fail? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Everything. Um, yeah, I think if you can't fail, you you you, you keep going. Unfortunately, the, that's not a possibility. But if I yeah. couldn't fail, I would just do everything. Yeah. <laughs> if you had the opportunity to have a conversation with the twenty-year-old you, what would you say? Oh wow, that's an amazing question. <laughs> yeah. I would tell him what's going to happen. Um, or I may not actually. Do you know? I I probably wouldn't. <laughs> I would probably just let him experience it for himself, because I've done that. I've through the last twelve years now, I've succeeded a lot and I failed a lot. But everything I've done, I don't really regret it. So I think I would just tap him on the shoulder and tell him good luck, <laughs> enjoy, <laughs> and let him go and find it all out, because I think. That journey in the last 12 years has made me who I am and without that journey I wouldn't be sitting here and I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. So yeah, I'd probably just give him a nudge, tell him good luck and tell him to go on his way. <laughs> <laughs> That's classic, classic. <laughs> if you could change anything in the world, what would it be and why? I think my big passion is, um, is kids. Okay. And that's changed because... Um, if you'd asked me that question five or six years ago before I had kids, I would have probably been the least li- likely person in the world to actually have kids and enjoy the family life. But for me, um, I think every kid in, in the world deserves a chance. And if I could change anything in the world, it would be to give every kid in the world a chance mm. to live a good life. And that's why I'm really passionate about working with the guys. It's a, a little charity called A&M Scotland. And I think every single kid, regardless whether they're from a background, whether they're from a refugee background, or whether they're from a background where the, the, the parents can't work or haven't got a job or have got drug problems or alcohol mm-hmm. problems or financial problems, every single kid deserves a chance to live their life go to school and have a really good life at regardless what they choose. Yeah. And that would be the one thing I would change. And I think if we could do more to support the kids mm-hmm. to get up there, it, it would it would make a big difference. That's a powerful answer. That's really, really good. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Tom, this has been an absolute pleasure. No, um, thank you. Yeah, I said to you earlier on, it's it's always interesting when I haven't met a guest and they come on, you're never quite sure entirely what to expect, but you've got a real depth to you, which I think is like really fascinating. Yeah. Um, and you are massively driven. And based on a lot of what you've said tonight, I can absolutely see why you've uh, enjoyed the sort of success that you have. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, you're welcome. It's been... This has been really good. I've really enjoyed this. It's been good fun. I've, I've actually just really enjoyed sitting down, having a chat and um, giving my point of view across to... 
Sometimes sure. it's a little bit more vocal than it should be, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, you need to have a voice. Yeah. And um, I think there's a lot of really good things that you said around, um, you know, things that Scotland's can embrace, or, or you know, sort of local uh, areas can embrace that people in Silicon Valley can do and whatnot. Yeah. I'd l I mean, yeah, certainly from my own perhaps selfish point of view, I'd love to see a sort of paradigm shift in the way that our culture is. Yeah. And is something that, you know, in doing this is what I'm really keen to kind of drive. I, th I think for me, that would be awesome. And I think mm -hmm. what people need to realise is that Scotland is great. Yeah. It's an amazing country. It's an amazing place. The people are amazing. Mm -hmm. They just need that little bit of confidence to say, we are amazing, we are great, we are brilliant at what <laughs> we do, and just stand up and everybody just be counted and, and grow as a, as a country, grow as a culture, and um, grow as a community to, to help each other and, and become great again. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. It's a great note to finish on, Tom. Brilliant. Again, thanks so much for coming, really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks. Cheers. Yes.